In his lecture, The Rainbow Bridge, Roger Griffin considered the scope and limits of specialism versus interdisciplinarity. The limitations of specialization become evident when tackling certain big questions or when seeking to model the processes of complex phenomena or dynamic systems. Griffin clarifies the need for both discipline splitters and what he calls interdisciplinary lumpers, especially in studies of complex phenomena. And he alludes to the resistance to interdisciplinarity on the part of many specialists. Before we concur with Griffin on why, despite its difficulties, interdisciplinarity is necessary, we should define it. Interdisciplinarity is a way to combine the objects and methods of different disciplines to solve a particular problem or tell a particular story. But what defines a discipline? The pragmatic definition states that disciplines are fields that have attained departmental status in universities and that grant new doctorates to reproduce those fields. So while they are, in fact, interdisciplinary, emergent disciplines like migration studies or disability studies or sustainability studies that draw on all the disciplines to work on common issues cause no problem other than institutional viability. But more controversially, a discipline is defined by its object of study or subject matter. Literary critics study literature. Psychologists study the psyche or soul, or in more up-to-date language, they study cognition, emotion, volition, or will. Sociologists study society and social institutions, status and roles within them, and so forth. Now, crucially, and this is what students often don't appreciate at the cost of their own credibility, Disciplines are also defined by what counts in them as evidence. Humanities scholars often interpret texts. Social scientists employ statistical data. The physical sciences are historically empirical and experimental. In saying that disciplines are defined by their methods, we mean that specialists also learn to think like their disciplines. Literary critics think in terms of forms of expression, linguistic forms, rhetorical forms, generic or syntactic structures. They notice the forms of expression as much as their content. Their methods are intertextual. They employ citation, argument, and the distinction between text and document. A text is a verbal construct, a made object. An historian, on the other hand, uses documents as evidence, not as verbal constructs, unless, of course, the historian has participated in the linguistic turn of the last couple decades. This was an interdisciplinary movement in which historians became conscious of the textual or constructed nature of their documents or evidence. 
Anthropologists think in terms of the social and kinship structures, practices, cultures, and objects of everyday life, whether in the rural village or globalized metropolis. This is opposed to the so-called high cultures of the arts and literature. Politics, political science, and political theory think in terms of social power, though similar subject matter here often gives rise to different kinds of evidence. Political theorists are often more like literary critics using interpretive methods while political scientists use traditional social scientific methods like statistics. Economists, as Adam Smith wrote, provide for the needs and desires of the people, and so they think in terms of less and more. Maximization, scarcity, risk, and exchange. Though again, they are often divided by method. Behavioral economics, an interdisciplinary field that draws on both psychology and economics, is experimental and less reliant on number crunching than the computer modeling of neoclassical economics. But even beyond content and method, disciplines are also social practices, embedded in institutions and everyday activities. Mathematicians do not give papers at conferences like this, but they produce theorems and formulae. Typically, they present the math without discussion. Their peers then go away to work it up on their own computers, and only later, after they have had time to play with the formulae, do they reconvene for discussion. Literary scholars, on the other hand, often read papers for the language itself is important to them. They like their papers to be well formed with beginning, middle, and end, like the narratives or poems that they are used to interpreting. Scientists almost always use PowerPoints, for they need to present evidence that is often best presented visually, such as diagrams, flowcharts, tables, and graphs. They even appear to think visually. This means that disciplines are distinct cultures, and that interdisciplinarity must also entail what one scholar has called efforts in cross-cultural communication. Those of us who habitually make such efforts are conscious that there is an anthropology of interdisciplinarity that includes different levels of civility, different degrees of democratic decision-making, different styles of presentation, debate, and different styles of leadership. Philosophers will seem to, to listen politely or even to sleep through a paper, but at its conclusion their hands will fly up and they will say something like, while I appreciate much about your argument, I am not entirely clear about this one point. Now this actually means something like, your views are utterly unfounded, unsupported, undocumented, and I think that you are badly misguided. The one point, it turns out, was the Archimedean point whose weakness unravels the whole argument. Economists usually just say, you are wrong. 
Literary critics typically give rise to the image of lone scholars working alone with their texts. But they often talk in terms of community, support, collegiality, interdependence, and mutual understanding. When they do, in exceptional cases, co-author a piece of research, they tend to list their names alphabetically. In comparison, scientists are hierarchical and team-based, with normally an alpha male heading up the lab and very precisely negotiated hierarchies of names in multi-authorship. Yet despite the formidable fact that the different areas of knowledge production that we call disciplines actually constitute different cultures, some problems are just too complex to be solved by one discipline. Some stories are too complex to be told without help from other disciplines. Most of the problems of the modern world are just this complex, as are most stories having anything to do with humans. I have been involved with interdisciplinary problem-solving and storytelling since the early 1980s interpretation seminars at Stanford University, and I continue these dialogues as director of Exeter's Interdisciplinary Institute. At EII, we broker research across the disciplines on such problems as migration, where climatologists from the Met Office work with geographers on the effects of climate change on migration. And then humanists study the implications of these migrations on identity, political consciousness, and social policy. Also at EII, biologists, sociologists, and philosophers work with criminologists to reconcile new forms of evidence like DNA with the rights and privacy of individuals and communities. Problems of privacy versus security arising from the genome cannot be solved by geneticists alone. At this conference Roger Griffin is talking about fascism, which may have less to do with political ideology than with emotion or physiology that is, psychology. David Crystal is talking about why all the disciplines from archaeology and biology to information technology care about the death of languages in the world today. Roy Beimeister is speaking on the nature-culture divide and what it means to be human in the evolutionary and developmental niche in which cultural animals evolve. Eileen Joy uses the excavation of the Great Hall Herat in Beowulf in the context of what the United Nations called the most destroyed city on earth, Grozny Chechenya, her point being the relevance of the literary past to our understanding of human rights today. And Peter Ludlow addresses the intercultural norms of virtual communities. We now turn to these distinguished scholars 
using interdisciplinary methods to approach the most pressing problems of modern society. Problems too big for one discipline to solve.